Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a very special Rainstop Play. Today we're going to break down the upcoming ICC Women's World Cup. It starts on the Friday the 4th of March, so just a few days after you're hearing this. Uh, unfortunately, it's 1am for the first game for us in the UK, but stay up for it. It'll be exciting. Uh, no Dan or Glenn today, so I'm joined by Zach. How are you doing, Zach? I'm good, thank you. And also very exciting, I'm joined for, for the very first time by special guest Ellie. How are you doing, Ellie? Hello, thank you. I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, right, but before we crack into the tournament proper, for anyone who doesn't know anything about this World Cup, didn't even know it was happening, hasn't seen a headline, like me maybe, uh, Zach, just set the scene briefly for us. Who are some of the favourites? What's the format? Who should we be looking at going into this World Cup? So it's, yeah, 50 over World Cup. First time we've had one for five years because this was originally meant to be early last year, but because of the pandemic, it was pushed back. The champions are England way back in 2017, but I wouldn't put them as the favourites. You can't look past Australia. They've lost, I think, two ODIs since 2017 or something. So they're very, very good. I think home team New Zealand will fancy their chances. And then South Africa seem to have been kind of building to this World Cup nicely. I think there's other teams, you know, India and West Indies could beat some of the bigger teams on their day. But I think... With the format being a round robin that every team plays every team and then uh, goes through to the top four, goes through to semi-finals, I don't think India and West Indies are going to be consistent enough to do that. But I'm interested to hear what what you guys think when we when we run through team by team. Yeah, Ellie, just before we crack on with that team by team, obviously we we expect Australia to be amazing. I, I guess the big question is, can anyone challenge Australia, and how excited are you for for this World Cup? Um. Slightly biased, I would say that New Zealand, they've got home advantage. Um, they've just come off like an entire domestic season, so they are prepared. And they've also just come off that India series and they've won. So they're going to be definitely one, maybe, that might challenge Australia. But I also think South Africa, even without Danny Van Neerkirk, they look really good without, even like in the West Indies series <clears throat> at home, um, they didn't have Lazelli, they didn't have Marzan Cap, they didn't have Danny Van Eerkirk, and they still managed to win. So for the World Cup, they do have Lazelli and <clears throat> Marzan Cap. So I think they'll only get stronger. Um, so they, I think they definitely look very good. Uh, Zach, finally, last thing before we get stuck into each of the teams, just news breaking in the last couple of days that because of the 
ongoing COVID situation. They've made a, a pretty intriguing rule change for this one. Yeah, they, they seem to have, I mean, the rules, there's been a lot of question marks around should this tournament be in New Zealand with the, you know, quarantine rules and it's been tough. And now they've said that if you have nine players available, you have to play. So you you can have nine players and then your kind of two coaches can field, but they can't bat or bowl. So you're you're down to nine when you bat and, you know, you, you've got to rely on whoever you've got with, with the bowling which I think it would be really funny if you could have your coach just open the batting for you, just like stick them at the top of the order to say they're, they're good at, they're good at blocking out in the nets. That would be quite fun. And it, it would feel very village if they did that, just some old person coming out to bowl or something, just maybe one of them can bowl a bit of spin, but no, they're not allowed to bowl. And yeah, I think there's something, it'd be very surprising if this went COVID free but it would also be a worry because of the strictness of the rules in New Zealand that all of the close contacts would then suddenly have to isolate. So that would, you know, derail the tournament. Maybe not, but we'll have a team playing with nine and, you know, you might lose all the top players, which would be a shame for whoever that happens to. Yeah, and they only take 15 players in the squad. So it doesn't take a massive amount of COVID getting around within one camp before you're into this situation. Yeah, mo- most have got at least at least two or three reserves. Yep. I think England have only got two because Sarah Glenn opted to not be a reserve. I think I'm right in saying so. But most teams have got kind of they've got 18 players there. But it's not like you can draft someone in on short notice because they'd have to quarantine for 10 days. Mm. So unless, but and then obviously by then the people who have COVID don't have COVID anymore. Yeah, just feel like an odd solution in a world where you could have just asked every team to bring some extra reserves you're only one step away from getting someone out the crowd in this scenario um but we'll hope that we doesn't come to that we'll hope that all, all, all the camps stay covid free crack off with probably the favorites or new zealand notwithstanding but let's start with australia they might be the team that, that most people um, have, have watched the most of just because they seem to play the most women's cricket that gets televised a lot of the time zach we've put in our notes favorites comfortably uh, are they still the absolute juggernaut in women's cricket, the team to beat? Or do you think they might not be so strong as they once were? I think if you'd have asked me before the women's ashes, I would have said maybe not because in that India series they played at the end of last year, they did win 2-1, but they did lose a game for the first time. It broke their massive run. And there was another game where they just should have lost as well. So... They didn't. They looked a bit kind of flappable for the first time in years. But I do think this is this is probably their best format. You know, Meg Lanning averages fifty-two in this format and has a better strike rate than anyone else who averages you know over forty. So it's very good. Her at three, and then Elise Perry, who dwindling slightly in, in this format, you could say, hasn't had the best couple of years, but looked really good again in the. Uh, in the ashes and took wickets, got runs. Yeah, I, I, you can't look past them. The, the only thing I would say is oh, it's not a weakness. Their bowling attack is relatively inexperienced. It's not a weakness by any means. They just, a lot of them haven't played that much women's ODI cricket, but because of their domestic structure and the strength of the WBBL, these players don't come in and look 
inexperienced. They come in, you know, Darcy Brown, Alana King, come in looking very good still. They don't come in, yeah, like other teams, you, know, you could say England to a certain extent, but certainly other teams as well. The players come in, particularly in the longer formats of the game where they don't they don't play it as much. This means that they come in and they don't look they don't look quite as good. But yeah, Australia very very strong. Um, yeah, talk to me a second, Ellie, about um, Elise Perry. Bit of discourse this year. She's obviously kind of in and out of the T Twenty team, isn't she? But but as Zach said, then came back into the ODI setup for for a good Ashes. What are you expecting from her? I might say it didn't like an average tournament. I'm going to say. Um, I know this is a T Twenty competition, but she did not look good in the Women's Big Bash League at all. Um, no offence. She didn't. If, she, if she's uh, listening, no offence. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't look great. And, you know, she was okay in the Women's Ashes. There was nothing spectacular. She wasn't like Italia McGrath, for example. Um, she just kind of went about business, I guess. So I expect she's not out of form at all. She's she's still doing very well. But I'm not expecting like anything extremely massive, if you know what I mean. The other bit of selection discourse I've seen from Australia is is the Amanda Wellington situation. Fill me in on that. What's going on? Um, I think she should have been in the Ashes, personally. Just personally. Um, she was the leading wicket-taker in the Women's Big Bash League and she did look really good in the 100 as well. So she had a great year. And I think people were expecting her to be in the Ashes. I certainly was. Um, and she just wasn't. And she was kind of lucky with the amount of injuries that Australia got. That Australia missing four players for the World Cup. So she was really lucky that that kind of happened and that she could come into the squad. Because I don't think if those injuries would have happened, she would have been in the World Cup squad either. So, yeah, she's had a great season last year. And it was, it was deserved. She really needed to come into the squad because of her performances. You cannot keep a player like Amanda Jade Wellington in domestic cricket and not put her in international cricket for so long. It's just, she was bound to come into Australian and that was a good time. She's one of my favourite cricketers because she just spins the ball really big and she can hit the ball really far. I don't think anyone who watches cricket even does isn't even that into cricket. You can't not like someone who hits the ball far and spins the ball far. I think they're two of the most kind of likeable characteristics of a cricketer. And also, she was often on the, I think it was during one of the knockout rounds of the WBBL. She took four foot and was also on the mic in between overs and was kind of just like having a laugh and joke with the commentators whilst also, you know, being the player of the match, winning her team the game. It was, you know, great player. So why is she not automatically on the team sheet then? What is the story? That's a really good question. I think the some of the discourse before the before the Ashes was maybe they wanted to see Alana King because they hadn't seen much of her playing for Australia and then they were going to pick both of them or they, they'd kind of not necessarily going to pick both of them. They, they've seen enough of, of Amanda J. Wellington, so they didn't feel like they needed to see more of her. That was some of the discourse. I think also the fact that she'd, she'd played internationally before counted against her because Alana King hadn't played any Red Bull cricket before the, the test match of the, of the Women's Ashes and Banerjee would have played one test match before so I, I don't know that's kind of the, the, the feeling I got but I didn't really it didn't really make any sense to me. So in terms of the, the rest of the batting Ellie who are the key names that we should look out for the, the one in my head Beth Mooney is back from 
fracturing her jaw like a month ago, which is pretty impressive. But who are the other key batters for Australia? Hmm. I will, yeah, Beth Mooney for a start. Um, and I'd say Talia McGrath, she's also like brilliant at bowling, but she's also on her day can really whack it out of the back. It, she's really good with the bat as well. Zach, any other batters? I mean, it, it's hard to, you know, Alyssa Healy does the job at the top of the order still. I, I think these, these Australian players, it feels like they've been around for so long. And then there's, you know, a couple of young players, like you say, Tylee McGrath coming in, Alana King in the bowling department. Darcy Brown's about 19, bowling fast. Uh, yeah, with the batting, they're, they're imperious. Even though they didn't seem to, in that kind of first ODI of the women's ashes, they didn't seem to, they didn't score that many runs. The, the second two ODI, the, the final two ODIs, sorry, they they weren't challenged at all by England. They you know, bowled them out for under 200 and knocked it off really comfortably. But in that first ODI, I was a bit like, oh, okay, maybe they're, maybe they are, again, maybe they're fallible. Maybe you could beat them. You know, they're not scoring big runs. But I think they're just they're just going to be too strong for everyone. It will come down to the fact that can someone beat them in the one game of the of the of the semi final or final. There's no doubt in my mind that they will get to the they will get to the semi finals. It's whether on that day, because like in 2017 they were beaten in the semi finals, and on that day they were they were beaten by a better side. So can that happen again? Yeah, it can happen again. But you know you can't look past them. Spoiler in our predictions at the end there. Very early, Zach. Well done. Um, well, the first game of the World Cup is against England. And maybe if anyone can beat them, it is us, question mark. Ellie, what are your thoughts on the England team going into this tournament? How how highly do you rate them? They didn't look good in the Ashes series. Um, and some of the players have brought with them, Emma Lamb. Um, I can't. You know, no, no. Just Emma Lamb, um, she was okay in the Australia series. It, it's a good team, and I think England is strong. They won't exactly like get knocked out of the semi-finals easily. Um, but to beat Australia, I don't think they will. Um, and I think I'm just going off of the Ashes here. Maybe I'm a bit like, mm, well, they didn't look so good in the Ashes against Australia, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think they will beat Australia they could beat other teams definitely just not Australia that seems to be the, the key problem for anyone pretty much in this format at the moment isn't it Zach we've got a problem with opening the batting don't we that's that's one of the big kind of selection headaches that I've seen yeah because it's kind of just getting someone to partner Tammy Beaumont who's who's quality Winfield Hills not been great averaging 25 over the last two years and you, like, like Ellie said Lambs came in and, and played I think in that final ODI and and it didn't do too well it I think there's a lot of players in this England batting lineup who who pass the eye test and they look like they're they look quality when you just watch a little bit of them you could say Danny Wyatt's one of them Sophia Dunkley who's pretty new to the side Amy Jones as well and you know obviously Amy Jones is a brilliant wicketkeeper as well but they all average mid to low 20s in this format which isn't that great for, for players who look who look like they are top quality players? Their, their records don't stand out. I know, you know, Sophia Dunk is pretty new to the side. And I think that's a bit it's a bit of a cause cause for concern that that kind of middle order don't seem to be able to put it together consistently. I know I feel I feel a bit sorry for Danny White. I feel like she's been moved around the order a lot and is a great player and you know more of a more of a T twenty player maybe and been moved down to kind of bat at seven recently and it's been working all right. And I'd like to see that kind of them decide 
if Danny White's going to be your your number seven, leave her at seven and let her get on with, you know, smacking the ball around for, for 20-odd balls or, or however long it is. But I think if you're batting at seven and, and, and you want her to be able to smack the ball around, you need the other players at the top of the order to, to lay the platform first. Um, thinking about key players for England for a second, I think a lot of the obviously TV coverage of women's cricket recently has been the 100 last summer. If people can remember anything of that tournament, cast their minds back a year ago, who are some of the, the key players that you might have seen playing in that tournament who are going to pop up for England today? Tash Farron obviously is one top wicket taker. Um, that's your answer in the next quiz question, by the way, Zach. I've got that. It was Tash Farron. Uh, but any other big names that we might recognise? Um, I, I think you can't look past, you know, uh, Nat Sivran and Catherine Brunt both played for Trent Rockets in that tournament, both two legends. I don't think they're kind of, they don't fit kind of maybe the same bill of, I feel like Tash Farrant wasn't, wasn't as well known, although she had played for England before, before the hundred, she wasn't kind of as well known as, as those kind of more household names. You've got Sophie Eccleston, I think is one, again, one of my favourite cricketers. I, I don't know what it is. It's spinners who can, who can hit the ball far on, on, on occasion. It's my favourite type of cricketer, I think. So it's the Moe yeah. Nally logic. It is the Moe Nally logic. It really is. And yeah, Sophie Eccleston, I think, She's got kind of that knack of just taking big wickets in big moments. So I think we could see her step up even further in this tournament. That's going to be my, my that's my prediction. Hot take from me, Sophie Eccleston's good and will be even better. Cutting analysis. Thanks, Zach. <laughs> um, are any, any of the younger England players going to pop up at all? People like um, Alice Capps, who's been in and around the, the sort of what do we call it? What do we, is it the B side that we call it? The the auxiliary backup group that they take with them. I think they took to the Ashes. I saw I saw the eleven. The A team. The A team is not the, the A team. team. <laughs> the eleven for the A team was really cool because it was basically all of the young players that we'd seen last summer, who are all really exciting. Um, and there's like three young spinners who are all fantastic. Am I right in thinking Capsie's in the reserves? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure she's in the reserves. I'm pretty she's, sure she's in and around the squad. She's like a, a travelling reserve, yeah. I think there's a lot of question marks over kind of who plays as the the kind of second spinner for England. I, I think Capsie looks really good, but, you know, she's very young. She'll have her chance. Maybe it's a little early. Well, I like the sort of Wayne Rooney Euro 2004 logic <laughs> of it all. If, if, we're, if we're not the favourites for a tournament, just lob somebody in who's going to be young and exciting and, and spice things up a little bit. Um, Ellie, in terms of key players, anyone else that you're looking out for? Definitely Eve Jones. Um, she's real. I mean, outside of the hundred, I don't know. I can't remember if she was really good in the hundred or not. But I, d- I remember her being like incredibly good in domestic, the Sparks. I'm quite biased to the Northern Diamonds. I, I want to say, you know, Beth Heath and you know Beth Langston back in the England squad because um, she was a part of the 2017 um, World Cup winning squad. But I don't really see her making a return. But Mm. Yeah, I think Eve Jones, definitely one that I like to look out for. Right, last question on England then. We'll get to your pr- proper predictions at the end of the episode, but but just a, a top line. Where are we going to get to, Zach? Beaten semi-finalists. Beaten semi-finalists, Ellie? Yeah, I think. <sighs> not even, we don't even get a final out of this. Right, if England are not making the final, one team who might. We know, Ellie, you're already pretty excited about this team. It's New Zealand. They are the hosts, which help. That's a big plus. They also have one of the most exciting young players in the world, who I'm sure we'll talk about. What excites you about this team, Ellie, and who are some of the key players to look out for? They've just 
they look a different team. I think it's really been interesting to see how they've changed. They look a lot stronger than what what they were in England. And so that's just been really good to watch. Like in the India series, they, they won well, one that was their first ODI series win since the Ireland ODI series where they just kept saying 100 plus totals and stuff. But um, yeah, it they I just love to see them. Yeah. Um, in terms of players to watch, definitely Amelia Kerr. Um, she's just one of the best all-rounders in the world at the moment. And I definitely think, um, obviously, Susie Bates and Sylvia Devine opening, they're just always good. I mean, they're great together. It's a lovely partnership to watch. Um, so I think they will definitely do well, as they always do for New Zealand. I'm going to say Georgia Plummer. Georgia Plummer got added yesterday because, obviously, Lauren Down um, had, I think it was her, and she'd done something with her hand in the fifth ODI and she had to get taken off and she's ruled out of the World Cup. So Georgia Plummer came in um, last, very last minute. And I think if she gets the opportunity, I think she will do well. She's really young. She's 18. You know, she's never played for the White Ferns before. But I do think she will do well if she's given the opportunity. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a great shout. We very rarely have predictions that come true on this podcast ever, but that sounds like one that might actually age well. Yeah, I like that prediction. I think um, Amelia Amelia Kerr is just, you know, there's been so, a lot of talk about her and slightly unfairly, I think, before this series, there was lots of talk about her not fulfilling her potential and she's still so young. It's like, come on, give her a break. She can, she can not, she can not bash out hundreds constantly for a couple of years, you know, because she's still so young. I think, you know, she's 24, like you said, about, yeah, I think younger than that. Is she? Amelia Kerr, I think she's younger than 24. Let's find that out. 23. 23. See, as 23. a 24-year-old, it's that horrible age where you, potential kind of stops being potential if you don't fulfil it at I, a certain stage. No. It's, it's, a, it's a key year. I don't, I don't think that's the same in cricket. I think in football, that's the thing. I think in cricket, you can have potential until you're about 28. And then once you're 28, because 28 to like 32... For a batter, anyway, for a bowler, it's a bit different. For a batter, twenty-eight to thirty-two, I think, is kind of your your prime years, and then your eyes start to go, and you know, you, you get all Virat Kohli about getting hundreds. But she's she's another sort of turns it and hits it far, isn't she? That's that's basically the feeling. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You know, she hit sixty-eight from thirty-three in the in one of the ODIs. It was worth noting that ODI was reduced to being a T twenty, but it, in that game. She got the fastest. She got the fastest ODI fifty by a by a New Zealander, or maybe overall in in ODIs. It's definitely by a New Zealander because then also an, an Indian player will come on to another young Indian player who's she's eighteen. Got the uh, the fastest by an Indian woman. What, what do you think, Ellie, about um, Kasparik's omission from the squad? Because there's been lots of talk about this. But highest wicket taker since the 2018 World Cup, but also, you know, had a good tour of England, but hadn't really been that good, you know, around that. I, I, I'm not that familiar with good domestic cricket in New Zealand. Has she been struggling in that or? She was the leading wicket taker oh. in Super Smash. So the timing of the squad announcement and her being the leading wicket taker was so weird. Like she's just performed so well in domestic and you're not even including her in a squad. So. It was a bit like she's one of your best players and you've not picked her and it's like, oh, yeah, confusing. 
Yeah, has there been any kind of any any reasoning behind that, like a fallout or something? Because I I tried to look up why, and there just doesn't. I can't seem to find anything about it. Yeah, I can't find out about that either. Um, I don't know. They seem to be New Zealand. They seem to be with this um, youth over experience. I guess like they've brought in Fran Jonas, um, who's seventeen, in place of Lee Casper, who's thirty. Um, Lauren Down, I think she's like twenty something. And they've brought mm. George Plimmer in, 18. So they seem to be going with this quite young squad instead of the experience. And I don't know if that's the reason, but that's just something that I've noticed. That's interesting. Youth over experience. I think if we, the next team we cut, we're, we're planning on coming to, they've certainly not necessarily gone that way. One, one interesting player for me in the bowling attack is, is Hayley Jensen. She seemed to kind of, there's lots of talk about her maybe picking up an extra yard of pace. I think she's had a kind of couple of tough years, averaging 50 with the ball across, you know, 20, 2020 and 2021. And she kind of gets this kind of bowling all-rounder tag, but then hasn't really ever re- ever done it with the bat consistently for New Zealand. But, you know, looked really good in the India series recently and hopefully maybe, you know, like with a lot of these New Zealand players now, we were, we were saying off-air before we started recording, Ellie, if you'd have spoken to us six months ago about this New Zealand side, you'd have said, oh, they're not looking good for the World Cup. But now it's like they've beaten India comfortably. They're peaking at the right time. Maybe it could be their year. All exciting signs for New Zealand, other than leaving out some of your best players, which is an odd decision if you're trying to win a World Cup, in my opinion. But as you say, you mentioned experience. One team that has buckets of it is, of course, South Africa. Ellie, is this another team that you see getting to the final, potentially? Yeah, definitely. Um, they look really strong. They, the past two ODI series have been against West Indies. I think there was one in September, October, and then there was the one in January just gone. Um, and they won both of them. But the one with the one in January is that they didn't have their main players. They didn't even have the captain. They didn't have Daniel Van Aker. They won't have it for the World Cup. They didn't have Lizelle Lee or Marizan Cap in that series. And they still managed to win. So without their star players, they, they look really good. So, I mean, it'll only look better when they get Marizan Cap and Lizelle Lee back. They'll only just get stronger, in my opinion. So I do think they will maybe final, definitely. It's a real shame that Van Niekerk's missing out. She would have been a really exciting player to watch. Um, I saw her a couple of times at the Oval last summer. Um, so I was, I was quite looking forward to that from South Africa. But, but Zach, other key names? Who are you looking out for? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look past the other Oval Invincibles overseas players in Shabnan Ismail. You know, who gun bowler, just always, always getting wickets. One of the fastest bowlers in women's cricket. In the recent series against West Indies, the two games, the two games they won. You know, obviously she took four for in both. Of course she does. Another, you know, she won like won the hundred as well with Oval. Another player who won the hundred with Oval, as we've mentioned, Marizan Cap took four for nine in the final of the hundred. Also won the WBBL in November, so she doesn't go into tournaments and not win. Ismail's one of my favourite players. She reminds me a bit, not in any way of cricket or bowling style, but just pure vibes. She reminds me of Imran Tahir. Just like she's got that little sort of bundle of excitement style. She loves celebrating a wicket, so that could be one to look out for. Six members of the side have over 90 caps in ODI, say I note, which just seems like a ridiculous number. Um, so they clearly should know how to win a few games. Anything else interesting on South Africa? I think as well as that, all of that experience, they've also got Laura Wolvard and uh, Ayabonga Kaka are their kind of leading run scorer and leading wicket taker in the last year. And they're not, 
they're not as experienced as those other players. So it's kind of good that those then they're not necessarily inexperienced players. They both played a decent amount of games, but the kind of lesser experienced players are still are stepping up already. And Laura Wolvard, very exciting player. And yeah, I, I, this South Africa side, they, they've been building nicely towards this World Cup. It's such a shame they won't have Van Niekerk. But yeah, I, I think final and I'm supporting them. They're my second team for this World Cup. Well, actually, no. I'm just supporting anyone who could maybe beat Australia. So anyone who versus Australia, it's the same with every every uh, sporting endeavour, to be honest. Anyone who could beat Australia, you've got to be a fan of. And this team could beat Australia. Just out of interest, if it was Australia versus the rest of the world 11, who would win? Put you on the spot. I think Australia could still Australia win. Australia would still win. <laughs> well, we'll soon find out. Um, that sounds extremely functional from South Africa. A good mix of experience with some really talented younger players. Seems pretty much like how you win an international tournament, in my opinion. But from the functional to the chaotic, I've been excited to talk about this one. Let's do India. Zach, first of all, because we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, throw us back to the squad announcement for India. Some key names left out. Yeah, I mean, they left out Poonam Rao and Jamima Rodriguez. Jamima Rodriguez, I will never forgive them for leaving her out. Absolutely loved watching her for um, the Northern Superchargers in the 100. Always plays with a smile on her face. Understandably, she hasn't actually had that good a recent record for India in ODIs, and that's kind of what they quoted as, as the reason left her out. Poonam Rao, on the other hand, uh, wasn't very happy being left out, understandably, and, and took to Twitter to, to say about how she's averaged she averaged 71 in ODIs in in 2021 and kind of you know scoring a couple of hundreds in amongst that so she wasn't very happy about being being left out understandably she did she did also end that with kind of saying supports the team but like you know what are you doing guys I'm, I'm pretty good at this game she's set a bit of a trend for that this year it's the Stuart Broad line as well and and the Vrindam and Saha yeah I, I'm I'm really enjoying that becoming a thing i want players to tell us how annoyed they are about because they're obviously going to be annoyed about being left out of squads so come and tell us you know it's happening more and more i think you know like you say she set the trend we've had both broad and anderson come out and and say how angry they are about being left out of the test side so yeah tell us come on we all want to know that you what you do actually because it it's not it's not just like them being throwing the toys out the pram it kind of shows that they care and shows how much it means to them which we shouldn't need we know how much it means to them but it just kind of gives you that extra thing of like you know we know that she's going to be working towards getting back into this side yeah absolutely you, you want to hear it in their own voice here have get that personal connection with players absolutely um ellie i asked mainly for my own benefit this time can india win are, are we getting to a final is this a thing i don't know the the recent series gone by it was a bit um... They didn't look great. Um, and against Australia, they looked pretty strong, though. Like, they looked good. So, uh, I think they'll be a semi-finalist. We'll take yeah. that, I suppose. It's consistently... I mean, it, obviously, this is true across the board with pretty much every country, with maybe the exception of Australia. But it, it is consistently irritating how little interest the BCCI has in women's cricket in any capacity. Like, if they cared even a little bit, India should be the best team in the world. Um, but anyway, here we are. I think for me, this, this this tournament comes a little bit 
too early for a few of these players. The, the top order of, you know, Mandana, Verma, if they go with this, Mandana, Verma, uh, Batia and Vastrakar are all pretty young. Mandana being the oldest one amongst them. You know, Richard Gosh is, is 18. She scored the fastest ODI 50 by an Indian woman in about 28 balls, I think it was, against against New Zealand. So for all of these players, they're very young, it's new, but then they've also got potentially, well, most likely a last dance for for the likes of uh, Julian Goswami, who is having a film made about her, which we're all looking forward to, I'm sure. And Mitali Raj as well. There's been some interesting, uh, more interesting stuff on uh, Indian women's cricket with uh, Indian women's players coming out and defending Mitali Raj against uh, Izzy Westbury. And that was a, some interesting beef on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that. She, basically, Izzy no, Westbury... what's, what's going on here? So Izzy Westbury tweeted saying, Mitali Raj is, is both the best and the worst thing about Indian cricket. Uh... And it was kind of going at her for us. Her strike rate is you know, relatively low, but also India don't seem to be able to score that higher run. So I, I, I don't necessarily think she's, she's the biggest problem in this side. I think it could work if she plays the anchor because they've got so many players, you know, Verma win you a game from anywhere. Richard Gosh quite clearly can, can go at 200 if she has to. So having a kind of anchor is not the worst thing but yeah an indian player i can't remember who it was i think it was someone who's not in the squad now said she's not the worst thing she's just the best thing you know nothing kind of thing had like a few people come and defend her saying i don't know izzy westbury you didn't even play for england like come on you're not that you weren't even that good because you know you're only allowed to talk about cricket if you've got a hundred caps for your country hence why we're all here talking about cricket you know, it's uh, it, it's it's so frustrating, but also just hilarious. Because it's like, what what's the point? Why like have it wasn't even like she was just saying, "Oh, Matali Raj is terrible." She <laughs> was like, it was a there was there was some layers to the discourse, and it's like, what's the point? Like, why 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 did you bother getting angry about that? I mean, you could say that about a lot of things on Twitter. People just love to get angry, don't they? Sometimes I do go a bit Fabio Capello. In, in the lead up to a World Cup, there's absolutely no reason that players should have their phones on them at all times. They just got beef on Twitter. You don't need to be doing that. Please focus on the World Cup. Um, there's also been a bit of more selection discourse for India. They've changed their deputy, uh, sorry, they changed their vice captain at the last minute. Um, slightly shady statement. Mitali Raj came out and said, uh, so it's going to be Harman Precourt, which makes a lot of sense. People will recognise that name probably. She's definitely among the most high profile players for India it was Deepti Sharma for the last set of ODIs Mitali Raj kind of said yeah the captain the, the selectors chose Sharma for some reason but my vice captain is definitely Harman Breit so I mean we're no strangers to d- disputes between the Indian captaincy and selectors um, this happens quite often but that's another little bit of discourse bubbling away in the background any other key names for India that we've not mentioned yet I don't think so. I think we've I think we've probably covered them. I think they on their day India could beat anyone. As we saw in the ODI series, India could beat or India beat Australia and they could have beaten them an extra time. So yes, on their day dodgy no ball call. Exactly, exactly was was definitely not a no ball. I think that was the way it was, right? Yeah, India were bowling. It definitely yeah. wasn't a no ball. Yeah, they should have beaten Australia in that series. So they've shown that they can beat sides but then and if you asked me then, I would have said, yeah, India could win this World Cup. But now after watching that New Zealand series, I, I don't think they're making semi-finals, but I think they will shock someone. 
because I think, you know, this is the fifth side we've spoken about. Out of those sides, I think this is the side that will, will be the least consistent. Ooh. So therefore won't make it through because of the format, but actually could could be anyone. I like that. Lots to look forward to. And and another exciting thing about India, this is a hundred percent rigged. None of this is none of this should ever be happening. But for the second time in the space of about six months, India's first game in a World Cup is against Pakistan. So good for the TV ratings, I suppose. And very exciting for us. Um so let and and it will be it will be three times in a year because in this world in in the T twenty in the men's T twenty World Cup coming in October, what's India's first game? Stop it! It's not. <laughs> yeah, oh, none of this is real. <laughs> they rig the draw, um, but that's fine. It makes for entertainment. Um, let's go on to Pakistan then. Um, Ellie, is this a team that, that you're you've got your eye on? Um, I haven't watched a lot of Pakistan to be honest. I've seen them, you know, in the qualifiers. They were okay, um, and. You know, I think they did a ODI series against Bangladesh quite a while ago. I can't remember when. And they they, they looked okay then. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't think they're going to be like one of the best teams in the competition. No offense, again, I sound really horrible, but no offense. But yeah, no, no, be be offensive. It's fine. <laughs> be offensive. We 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 like to hate teams. Yeah, I just don't think they'll. They're not in Australia, you know. But none of us are. So that's okay, Pakistan. Most teams aren't Australia. Um, Zach, you're you're very hot on their men's side at the moment. I think you called them as 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 one of your favourites for the men's World Cup. Similar for the women, or or less excited about these guys? Definitely less excited. I think there was lots of controversy around the 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 women's World Cup qualifier. It got cancelled because of COVID. You know, it was, it was it was being hosted in Zimbabwe and. It was when Omricon was just kind of becoming a thing. Everyone was getting very scared. It was coming out of, you know, Southern Africa. So it got cancelled, understandably. But the reason that these teams got in, in in West Indies, Pakistan and Bangladesh, was because they were the ones that have ODI status. Mm. And the reason they have ODI status is because their men's sides are good. Whereas Thailand, who were doing pretty well in that tournament and played at the last T20 World Cup... Obviously, Thailand's men's side don't have ODI status, or, or I, I don't think they do anyway. They might have T20 status, but so that means that the women's side can't have ODI status, and that that for me is something that needs to change. And so I, I'm sorry, Pakistan. I'm talking about Thailand because I'd rather see Thailand at this World Cup. Pakistan have had a bit of kind of classic Pakistan build up to a, to a World Cup. Bismar Maruf has been brought back into captain the side, even though she's not played an international game for two years, which is interesting to say the least. I don't really know what's going on there. Can't say I'm that up to date with that, but you know, they want they were doing all right in the qualifier. They got beaten by Bangladesh, who I'm sure we'll come on to talk to. Some top order woes in that. So, you know, getting amongst them early and their top order might might struggle. But yeah, I don't think this side's going to be really challenging. Again, they could beat, they could they could shock someone, but I don't think they're going to be a real challenge to to the kind of top five or six nations in this tournament. Yep, and the other team that that with them, as you say, came up through that slightly dubious qualifying mechanism was was Bangladesh, who did beat Pakistan in the qualifier, but apart from that, haven't been doing great. They've only played six ODIs in the last three years. So they don't come in with a huge amount of experience. They've just appointed a new captain and a few new players in the squad. 
So it's it, it's a bit up in the air for Bangladesh. I'll be honest with you. I think they'll do a repeat of the men. I think they'll probably come bottom or very close to it in this particular tournament. I'm not seeing much room for optimism in this team, but you never know. And they did beat Pakistan last time, so maybe that'll be a kind of crunch match towards the middle of the table. One team who is a little bit more exciting, uh, for me at least, is the West Indies. Zach, who are you looking forward to seeing for them? I think West Indies are one of those sides that we, you know, as as English cricket fans, you, you've seen a bit more of some of their players. Hayley Matthews seemed to just constantly be batting or doing something when the Welsh Fire were playing in, in the Women's 100 last year. I can't, couldn't even tell you whether she was actually starring for them. I think she was. She's been retained by them, but she just seemed to constantly be involved in the play and seemed like a lot of fun. Deandra Dotton is is kind of the star for them. You know, scored a big hundred in one of the ODIs versus South Africa. And, you know, we talked about how good South Africa are. And they only beat West Indies 2-1 in that ODI series. And in one of those ODI games, one of the games were called off and West Indies had set South Africa about 300 in that game. So, they, you know, we've talked about how good South Africa are. West Indies could have drawn two all with them in South Africa recently. So uh, there's signs for, you know, there's, there's signs of progress there. The only issue is that, you know, there's been a bit of injury problems. Stephanie Taylor, the captain, was concussed, I think, in one of the final ODIs, but is now is now back playing. But, you know, keep an eye on that. Dotting hasn't been bowling much recently. You know, but, you know, usually bowls a bit of kind of medium fast and hasn't bowled, I don't think, for a, a year now, maybe. Or, or maybe bowled, you know, like a few overs in, in one of the games, but definitely hasn't been bowling as much as she used to. So that's maybe a bit of a worry. I think they've got kind of, in amongst these kind of three big players, they've got a bit of youth in there. So that's something, a good blend of youth and experience, maybe, you could say. Yep. Ellie, likewise, same question. West Indies, excited at all to, to see that team? Yeah, they they look good in the South Africa series. Yeah, they were beaten, but like it could have they, they could have easily drawn that series. They look good. Um, I really like watching their bowling attack. I thought that was really good. Um, yeah, I'm quite excited to see how they do in the World Cup. Yeah, sounds like sort of solid solid middling option in there. We have some favourites that we think are definitely going to do well, and some definitely not so hot. The West Indies nicely in the middle could be exciting. Yeah, I, I think for them is because they're kind of very reliant on one of those kind of big three going big. If one of them goes big, I, I'd back their bowling attack to kind of defend a, a a middling score. You know, say say someone gets to say someone say say a team say if they hit two forty, I think they could defend two forty with that bowling attack. It could defend lower against a, you know a, a, um, maybe against Bangladesh or Pakistan, but you know. I, like I say, I, with, they've shown they can beat South Africa, so they can probably beat anyone. Could shock someone. Would love for them to shock Australia, obviously. If you've learned anything during this podcast, it's we all want someone to beat Australia. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't think they'll make it to the semifinals, but, you know, a good, a good showing from them. I don't know. I'm quite optimistic after that answer. I, well, I, given that what we said with, with Australia was... They'll get to the semi-final, but at that point, anyone can win a one-off game. It's a bit up in the air. Maybe the West Indies are that team. One of those big three can go crazy, and that'll be by Australia. And as you say, we're all, we all just want somebody to make it competitive and hopefully beat Australia. Don't much mind who. Preferably England or India, but it's the West Indies. We'll take that. 
right that is all the teams that we've covered um let us know your thoughts uh, if you think we've we've missed any key players out missed anyone off the list someone that you're really excited about my favorite bit of any podcast i am going to ask you for some on the record predictions so that you can say things that will either look very clever or extremely stupid and then we can laugh at them and it goes either way it's usually the latter in our case but who knows but if it's good, we will clip it and and put it out on Twitter. If it, if it's bad, we'll just oh, yeah. we'll just talk about it on the podcast. But if it's good, it, it will it will get clipped. It will get put on Twitter. You'll look like a genius. None of my stuff's ever been put on Twitter. <laughs> no, but if you get one right, you, you know you you can get by on that reputation for like a year. People were talking about my my liking Sunrise of Hyderabad for, for like fully eighteen months after I said it, and they weren't even that good. Um, so I'm gonna ask you for. Obviously, who's going to win and who's going to make the final? Plus, your top scorer, your top wicket taker, and a breakthrough star slash best young player. So I'll give you a minute to scrabble that down. Um, everybody should keep an eye out. First game is going to be 1 a.m. UK time on Friday the 4th of March. So Thursday night, essentially, if you're in the UK. Uh, that's, that's New Zealand against the West Indies. Key one to look out for, for lots of people's perspective, it's Australia against England. That'll be Friday night, effectively 1 a.m., uh, and then that Pakistan-India game that we mentioned. That's a lovely Saturday night, 1am. Right, who's feeling confident? Ellie, I'll come to you first. Who is the final going to be between? And who's going to win it? I think I, Australia and New Zealand. I think I'm really confident for New Zealand. I think they're going to get to the final. But I don't think they'll beat Australia. Um, I think Australia have, yeah, I think they're going to win that one. Black. I'm going to go Australia, South Africa. I think Ooh. South Africa strong, and I'm going to go Australia to win, even though I don't want it to happen. It's tricky this because I could see lots of, I could see pretty much everybody beating everybody apart from Australia. So therefore, I'm I'm I, I'm not hugely confident that anyone will definitely get to a semi final. I could see England getting there, or New Zealand, or India, or South Africa. So somebody will miss out. And just for the sake of optimism, I'm going to say, I'm going to say New Zealand. And India will make the final. Wow. <laughs> and India Neck will finally win a World Cup. Neck on the line. It's got to happen at some point, isn't it? Um, right. Top scorer. I'll go Meg Lanning. Hard to look past her. Safe. Safe answer from Zach. Go on. Say Amelia Kerr. Go on. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Sophie Devine. Sophie Devine. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 row back and say Meg Lanning for that one as well. You, you, you can stick your head out for one, but <laughs> not consecutive. Uh, top wicket taker. Sophie Eccleston. Sophie Eccleston for me. Yeah. Catherine Brunt. She'll do it for the NAR. Catherine Brunt, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to boring and agree again. So I'll say Sophie Eccleston. Um, this is probably the most fun award. Breakthrough star slash best young player. They don't need to be young, but but maybe Daryl Mitchell did this in the last World Cup, weirdly for me. Someone who I was aware existed, but suddenly became really really good at cricket overnight who's somebody that could that could really make their mark on this tournament i think it's i think it's tough for, for me I, i've gone for someone who's young but i don't necessarily think it would be that much of a surprise i'm going laura Wolvard for south africa she's not i wouldn't necessarily think it'd be a breakout thing because she's been really good for the last few years you know she's been playing for south africa she is only 22, but she's been playing for South Africa since 2016. So it's not really a breakout in any way. But, you know, she's still quite young. So it's, it's kind of one of those things like in, I think in the Premier League's young player, mm. you can be under 24 or something and yeah. someone who's been there for eight years can still win it. But nonetheless, it counts under the rules, so we'll allow it. Ellie, you said loads of names. Um, 
that you're really excited for from young players. Who's who's your number one? I want to say Amanda J. Dalton. I know she's played for Australia before and she's not like massively young, but I think she'll, yeah, yeah. I think that would count. That would count as a breakout star because, like we said, she wasn't in the Ashes squad. She maybe wouldn't have been in this squad if it wasn't for injury. So, yeah, that definitely counts in the breakout category. Yeah, I think that counts. That's the sort of, the sort of Mitch Marsh answer, I suppose. Like bidding yeah. around the team before, <laughs> but but really, you know, nail your colours to the mast in this one. Um, right, awesome. There's our predictions. Uh, play along if you're listening at home. Oh, you're going to hear that dog bark, aren't you? We did hear it. Yeah, uh, we didn't. We didn't hear your your breakout star. Will. Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> oh no! Do you know? Do you know what? Because I said because I said it on the podcast. I'm going to say Alice Capsi to do a Wayne Rooney. Slash Michael Owen. That's that's. I'm saying that on the record. It won't happen, but we can dream. Cool. Great, great predictions as always. Zach, staying nice and safe. Ellie, thank you for being a bit more adventurous, bringing something to, to the table there. Um, thank you both so much for joining us again. A reminder that World Cup starts this week, Thursday night. If you're in the UK, 1 a.m. Tune into that. Thank you so much for listening, Ellie. Thanks so much for coming on. You were great. Please come back. And Zach, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.